It's the JT the Brick Show. They get the snap off. Hand off Jacobs. That's the first down of the big hole. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Raiders. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Snap to car in the shotgun. Back to pass. Climbs the pocket. Eyes downfield. Fires a strike to Devontae at the 25. Breaks away 20. 15, 10, 5. Dives. Touchdown, Raiders. And now, here's JT the Brick. Yes, welcome back. I hope you had a great Christmas. Happy Hanukkah and into the new year here. We got New Year's Eve coming up, which is always massive in Vegas. JT, back with you. Hour number two, we're brought to you by Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas. I recommend you going there for the great restaurants like One Steakhouse and Olives or to go to the Shag Room for the live entertainment in the theater where I met my wife at the old joint. Now it's the theater. Whenever there's a big concert there, you'll always find me in the theater and the home of my podcast for Virgin, which I'm really proud of this year. We did five or six of them with just newsmakers and people that are really important in town, and uh, we'll continue to do that with Virgin Hotels. Thanks to the entire team over at Virgin Hotels, and I wish them nothing but the best in this upcoming year. So we call this show every Monday the Aftermath, and that's good or bad, aftermath of the win or the loss, but this year we've had some historic losses that we're trying to use this Monday show to get underneath our legs and figure out what happened. And the cover of the Review Journal, which came out on, what was this? Oh, this is Christmas on the Review Journal. Same old, same old. Raiders lose. Raiders self-destruct again. An ugly loss to the Steelers. The cover story on Christmas Day by Vinnie Bonsignor. So the same old way they're losing is they're having leads and losing leads. I'm more into the discussion of why they're losing the leads. Why are they not putting teams away with the quality of players that they have? And that's what I think fascinates you and me together. When I go to the tailgate Sunday, when I talk to fans, when we're around, they come out to my remotes. It's not about the losses. We know the losses. I got a name for every one of these losses. The Kenny Pickett loss, the Baker Mayfield loss. And I can, I can name you why the Raiders lost these games, but we're trying to figure out why. Why are they losing these games? What's changing and what's common in all these losses? And the only thing I would say, because I got a lot of respect for everybody involved with this team, is that for whatever reason, when halftime comes, a lot of times they're leading. They're not making adjustments at halftime. They're not going in up 17-0, up 20-0. They're not going in at halftime saying, hey, we're killing these guys. Stop everything. Try something different. They got the leading rusher. He's been the game plan most of the year. They got Devontae Adams. So everyone's like, what what are we going to do? What adjustments do we have to make? Well, in a bunch of games, they didn't have to make a lot of adjustments. The other team did. Then the question becomes why, after the other team makes adjustments, can't the Raiders get it going? And that's the struggle. And a couple of people talked about it today. That's the issue that we can't figure out. We can't figure out how can Devontae Adams, whose numbers are enormous, how can he go a quarter and a half several times this year and not get a target or a catch? I don't know. I got to give the other team credit, don't I? Got to give them some credit. The other team, they're double teaming them. He's not getting off the line of scrimmage as easy as he did in the first half. Okay, remember, let's forget Renfro and Waller didn't play most of the year. It was Devontae and Matt Collins. And, you know, I'm losing my mind now on Foster Moreau. He's a great guy, team leader, and a good player. But he's due for a drop a game and a penalty a game now. Foster Moreau has hurt this team recently with some drops, drops to win games against Indianapolis. 
face mask penalty to put the game away on a Jacobs 50-yard run? He's a great guy. He's one of the leaders in that locker room. He's trying hard, man. He loves this team and his teammates. But it's happening. I don't know why the Raiders don't have the ability to play faster, more up-tempo, and put teams away. That's it. I don't think I'm being over, overly critical by saying that. Why aren't they playing faster, more up-tempo, stop burning the clock, have more time left to run more plays by being faster and picking up more first down? See, I believe if you play faster and you don't pick up a first down, then you're in trouble. You're in a lot of trouble because you're playing fast. You're three and out, and you only ran three plays, and two of them were up-tempo back-to-back, and now you're on the bench again. So you got to be careful with that. But why not try that? Because nothing else is working in these second halves. I think they're taking their foot off the pedal in regards to trying to eliminate and bury teams. They're playing the game clock. They're playing conservative, and they're playing just to win. And they might just need a field goal. The sad part about it in these games is that they just want to hold on and win. They're not even kicking the field goal. One more field goal, getting one more first down that would win the game. And that's the thing. I'm not asking them to be up you know, 21 to 7 in the fourth quarter and put up another 20. I just need a field goal. One more field goal is the difference in a game, and Carlson's pretty good, and they can't even get in field goal range. After the Perryman interception, as we played in the opening hour, they were on the 46-yard line of the Steelers. All they got to do is get 10 yards, and they get a field goal. They win the game. I believe they win the game with a field goal, let alone a touchdown. I don't think they play to get touchdowns enough. I think they play to set themselves up, hopefully, for a red zone touchdown or a field goal. I mean, when they're on the 30-yard line of the other team and they're in scoring range, it seems like they get tight. They get conservative. They run the ball. Sometimes it works. They get third down, and they don't execute well, and they got a kick. I'd like to see them be more aggressive. I, I, I bought into this team being so elaborate with their offense and so aggressive that we just haven't seen it enough this year, and they, they know why. I don't know why. Maybe they don't trust the offensive line. Maybe they don't trust the quarterback. Maybe they want to run it more. I don't know, but I'm still trying to figure it out with two games to go. Mike in Staten, Italy. Merry Christmas, Mike. I hope you had a good holiday. What's happening? Yes, I did, JT. Spent it with the family. JT, I'm going to take a different tact on this. Before the season, we changed our whole system. We changed our quarterback. I'm, I'm sorry. We changed our coach, our GM, a new philosophy. We changed everything. And to have two, I understand we had games where we were leading. And But if you told me before this season, with two games left, we're going to play at least one more meaningful game in December and January, sign me up. I understand we lost some big things. But we're getting a system put in place. Our coach didn't be part of all those Super Bowls without knowing what he's doing. But my question is, do we we pull a Rams and we sell our soul and our draft picks and try to win it next year? Trade Carr. You could trade Carr tomorrow to the Jets for a second-round pick or even better. Or do you sell your soul? There's two major free agent quarterbacks out there. Do we sell our soul? Brady, get Brady to come here on a small contract. And, and and surround them with veterans and go for the uh, go for the win, or do we trade car, try to move up in the draft, get a quarterback of the future, or, or Lamar Jackson? I guess they're gonna. Mm. I don't know what his status is. I know he's a free agent. I don't know if they can. Is he a, is he a player that he would go for? Yeah, yeah, uh, good franchise. question. So so he's out. So do we sell our soul for Brady because he was supposed to come here before? Obviously, he loves the offensive coordinator. It seems like a match made in heaven. You know, again, JT, mm. I'm, I'm happy with the progress. We have a couple of building blocks. 
Did we, did our defense collapse? Did a couple of bad calls down? You know, but look at what we've done. When did you ever hear the Raiders being one of the least penalized teams in the NFL? He changed the culture. Um, uh, you talk to the guy every week. You know the guy's brilliant. He's making adjustments. I, I think the Raiders, for the first time in a long time, are in great shape. They got a great captain leading the way. I love everything up and down from the owner to the to the to the stadium. But JT are the Vegas Raiders, the Vegas Raiders, not the Oakland Raiders, the Vegas Raiders ever going to have fans like the Steelers were at that game? They stood for every play in nine below degrees, and and when they were getting killed at halftime, they stood, and those fans are real fans. JT, mm-hmm. can the Raiders ever have that? and block out there wasn't one Vegas fan in there in that stadium. Yeah, look, uh, listen, I, when it comes to Vegas fans, uh, Raider fans, thanks for the call, Michael. They, they travel all over. There was a small crowd in Pittsburgh with Chris, Pittsburgh fans. I talked to Villapiano, everybody. It was too cold. That, that, that's another thing that bothered me about the Pittsburgh game. The place was half empty. They were all there for Franco, but it was so brutally cold for fans to sit there that they barely could stay and sell the seats. And that was tough. But Raider fans are everywhere. Raider fans are going to be tested by Niner fans this weekend. Niner fans want to get here. The team has a Super Bowl story brewing. It's a short trip to Vegas, and they want to go. They've never been here for a regular season game. So I expect the Niner fans to show up. Hopefully the Raider fans don't sell their tickets to Niner fans. Sell them to Raider fans. Go ahead and do that. My wife's bringing a friend who's not a Niner fan. That's the rule. Uh, do do whatever you want, whoever sits in your seat. But Niner fans are going to get their hands on a few tickets. When it comes to a quarterback change, everything's open now. No one would sit. No one's saying it on ESPN, Fox, Raider Nation Radio, ESPN Radio, that Derek Carr's a lock to come back. A lot of people want him back. I like Derek and his family and whatever decision they make for Derek. If Derek's back next year and they don't have to get a quarterback and Derek's here and they can spend a lot of the money that it would take to get a better quarterback – and Derek had another year here with better players, two new offensive linemen, a, a star, star, star free agent corner. Is something like that you know, another year? Okay. If not, if they went out and got Aaron Rodgers or someone else, that's about above my pay grade. They're going to do what they think is best at the end of the year. But the evaluation of Derek Carr this year hasn't been a good one. It's been good behind the scenes, work ethic, film, practice, game day. Some of the games were good. A lot of the games were bad. A lot of the games were average. They weren't played at a Derek Carr great level. They were played at a solid level, but Derek's better than what we saw this year. And he'll have the chance to prove that again. He's going to be in the league a while. But these are big decisions that's got to be made because a lot of the Raiders' future success is going to depend on this upcoming draft because these guys got to win. We all know they have to win. So this draft is really important. And on top of that, they got money in free agency. And they got to get good players in free agency. Chandler Jones was finally starting to come on after he was getting killed all over the media, not playing well. And he got hurt playing his heart out in that game and coming off the big play against New England. It's complex. We're trying to figure it out, but we're, we're on to the Niners before we're breaking down this team in the postseason and the offseason. I'm not going there. Not going there. I could do, I could do, I can get about five good shows out of this in the offseason. I'm not burning one today. 
I'm not burning one show today on the Raiders offseason with over two weeks to go. I need to save that content for when there's breaking news, there's a trade, there's a cap move, there's something big happening. So if you want to go find that, you can go find it somewhere else. You can go to a podcast on YouTube, and they'll break down the Raiders roster and trade everybody today. They're, they're trending on YouTube if you want that. Kenny and Henderson. Kenny, what do you got going on? Thanks for calling. Thanks, JT, for taking my call. I think you and I are on the same page with Derek. He plays better when his hair is on fire, mm. but the guy never plays like that. You know, the bottom line is he goes up to the line, changes the play. You don't see any quarterback every time calling out the mic for linebacker, change the play. Why don't they just tell him, go up, do the play, do the play? How many it's times guy, have I said that? And it's I not know, him. And it's not him. Hold on. It's not him changing the play. It's him altering the protection. That's what he's doing. He's altering the protection of the blocking. And that should have been taken care of in Henderson during the week. Everything could be thrown at him on film to change the blocking schemes and what they have to do. If there's a two tight end set in there and a fullback and you want to change it to a passing play, change it. The only criticism I've had of Derek Carr is he's allowed to change every play. Josh McDaniels isn't going to cut him if he checks out of a Josh Jacob run up the middle and throws a bomb to Devontae. Josh McDaniels might not like it, and might scold them on the sideline and say, hey, don't do that. We had the scheme I wanted. But Derek can change out of anything he wants, any time he wants, and attacks because he's the quarterback of this team. I'm not saying it would go over well. I'm not saying that Josh McDaniels would like it, but Carr is the last line. He can do what he wants to do at the line of scrimmage. It takes too long for it to happen. Then there's three seconds left on the clock, and the nose tackle's looking right at Derek and sees the clock blinking at two, and he's getting off the ball faster. Yeah, you know, the other thing that really drives me nuts, you know, we pick up uh, Adams, and this is not his best friend. This is his brother. They played together four years in college. They practice all the time in the wintertime. He comes in. When's he ever get a slam play or something? We can just get those yards that we need instead of toe-touching on the sideline. It drives me nuts. The second half, he never even looks at him. It just drives me crazy. I I don't understand it. Yeah, I think he looks at him. Thanks Thanks for the call. I think he looks at him a lot, and I think the coverage is tight on Devontae, but I think Devontae can beat the coverage. Can he beat every double team? No. Can he beat some of them? Yeah. But why are these the degree of difficulty to the Devontae sideline passes? That's a YouTube podcast. That's a YouTube podcast. It's to sit there and go, how many passes this year have sailed over Devontae's head or been thrown to Devontae where he can't catch it and get his feet down or caught it and got his feet down? And the degree of difficulty was an eight and a half to 10 to just start that route. I mean, I don't get that. I don't know why Devontae doesn't have more of the field so he doesn't have to make these magical magician-type plays on the sideline. There's so many plays that I say, oh, my God, Devontae could have had that, but it was a little bit high, and he had to get both feet down. I just think you got to make it easier for Devontae Adams, who can run any route and can do anything you ask him to do. But I'm not a professional play caller, and I'm not a quarterback. They're doing it for a reason. And I think a lot, of those, a lot of those balls in practice indoors are easy throws, no wind, no one guarding you, no one allowed to tackle you, no one allowed to push you in the back. It's just easy, man. Those practices where they run everything, there's, there's no padded practices. There's a rare padded practice. There's a lot of walkthroughs. There's a lot of pitching and catching and throwing it to people where no one's around. And it's like playing football in the backyard in the park in Henderson. It's t- much tougher to play that in Pittsburgh when Minka Fitzpatrick 
It's trying to get the ball away from you. Greg is in Las Vegas on 920 AM. Hello, Greg. Thanks for waiting. Hey, thanks. And enjoy your, your show and your insights. But I disagree with mm-hmm. uh, a lot of that. Um, first of all, there's an article in the Las Vegas Weekly, Raiders Change Coaches, and it talks about how Rich Versace righted a ship of tumultuous season and guided Las Vegas to its first playoff win since 2016. And then it goes on to say, but nonetheless, he was let go and mm-hmm. replaced. The Raiders didn't need a coach. The Raiders didn't need a quarterback. They did need an over-the-top receiver, which they got. If Josh, if, if Josh Jacobs mm-hmm. led with all these players, you got to give them a little time to mature and grow. So when you cut people and you got a new management, it's going to be a little shaky mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. And it may never get better. I was in Detroit 15 years. Matt Millen came in kind of doing the same thing. And it never got right. It took a decade and a half. So I don't see it getting right because the coach, you didn't need one. But they mm-hmm. did it anyway. And so now they're going to have to weather this because he's used to throwing them kind of passes. Him and Devontae probably do that stuff in the summer. So when he gets in trouble, he just launches it. And Devontae goes and gets it. So I, I get why they do it. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have the freedom because he's got to come to that sideline and look at a coach that he don't really know all that well. And he doesn't have an extended contract, so I get it all. But I'm just saying mm-hmm. they didn't need a coach, and um, uh, I think you got another decade to live this one down. Yeah, I, don't think, I, don't think, I don't think you have a decade's ridiculous. Thanks for the call. I mean, Cincinnati went to the Super Bowl last year. Come on. I don't think it takes a decade to turn this around. The Super Bowl is going to be here in Vegas next year. And as Rob Ryan told me a story and others have talked about the Patriots the year before they won the Super Bowl, they were in kind of disarray. Not a lot of coaches were happy. Not The team wasn't on the right track. Things weren't happening. The following year, they won the Super Bowl. The good news for the Raiders is they have Super Bowl talent on this roster. They really do. Colt Miller, Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, healthy if he comes back. Derek Carr, healthy if he comes back. Josh Jacobs, if he's re-signed. But there's still a lot of holes. There's a lot of players you got to replace here. And that there's a lot of blame to go around. I think that they didn't draft well with their first-round picks over the last couple of years. These guys inherited that. But even though they inherited some bad first-round picks, they've still had all these leads. They've had five games where they've had the leads. I don't think they're losing those games in the fourth quarter on the final drive because they drafted or cut Leatherwood. It would help if they had a Pro Bowl rookie right tackle. You got to win these games that you're getting paid to win, and they're losing a lot of them. And it's shocking to me because we know the coaches have been there, done that from the from the Patriots, and we know the players here are good enough to make those plays, and it's not happening this year. Seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. Oh, it feels like uh, kind of another loss where you, you guys let it slip your, through your hands. Um, and as you look back at some of these losses, these close losses, how disappointing is that that a lot of this has been self-inflicted? Yeah, man, it's bullshit for real. I mean, it's bullshit. Uh, and, it's, and, and it's on us, you know. Uh, everybody wanted, you know, talk about the defense, but fuck. 
they, they made their stops when they were supposed to. You gotta help them out. And you know, I'm tired of saying we gotta help them out. And it's just frustrating, so, yeah. You feel like they were uh, focused and top in the running game? That's kind of their focus? I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we still we still had opportunities to make plays. You know, I, I feel like in times where we was close and we, we felt like we was about to get a big one, we went away from it, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and the pass game was working early, so, you know, that is what it is. But to win these games, you know, especially at the long, at, at the end of the stretch, especially when you up, you know, against a team like this in the cold, you got to run the ball. So, I mean, that's that's a factor on everybody involved um, from top to bottom. All right, that was Josh Jacobs. And he, what he said yesterday after the game, he was highly emotional. No doubt he was emotional. He had the right to be emotional. And Josh McDaniels handled a little bit of that and talked about that. In the press conference, We're going to have some of that press conference from earlier today. Tomorrow, tomorrow I have a short show. I got another three-hour show that I have lined up tomorrow on Mad Dog Sports Radio. So I'm just grinding it out from here to New Year's like I do every year. Like this guy grinds it out. Mark Anderson joins us from the AP. And Mark, uh, another monumental loss for the Raiders considering all the help they got around the AFC. If they just put that game away, they'd be a game out with two to go. How do you see it? Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's the 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 story of the season, though. It's another lost lead in the second half. Not as bad as some other lost leads this, this season, but still still bad. I mean, uh, you you got a chance to to close out a team there on the uh, on the road, um, and you don't do it. And um, you know, and and I think Jacobs is right in large part about the defense. They they pretty much did their job. I mean, yeah, they mm-hmm. give up that drive at the end. But if you if you told me before the game the Stewards have one drive into the red zone, well, yeah, the Raiders are going to win that game, uh, you know. So it's just it's just when they look back at this season, the story to, story to me is going to be how they blew those leads. I would agree. I think the blown leads are the story of the year, no matter what happens the rest of the way. And you know, Mark, the Pittsburgh game bothered me more because they weren't very good on offense, and I predicted that easily. They they just they got in the red zone only on their final drive of the game i mean it was one of those games where you couldn't the raiders had a game like that against new orleans they never got past midfield when Carr was in and that was that's what was going on with pickett they were never going to get anything going with him unless they kept giving him the ball back and going three and out and not sustaining drives and the last time they do it's enough to lose the game i just can't believe that an offense that powerful couldn't pick up a one or two we're only talking about one or two more first downs which leads to a field goal mark yeah, and that's and that's you know that goes back to my point about the whole thing about you, you allow them one chance to uh, trip to the red zone. You, I mean, you, you'll take that going into the game. And so, yeah, um, Josh McDaniels addressed that a little bit today. He said that you know when they get the lead, they need to extend the lead. And and uh, yeah, if they, if if they don't extend the lead in Pittsburgh, but you're right, if they just pick up a handful of extra first downs. And limit the number of possessions the Steelers have. I think they had what six or seven possessions, something like mm-hmm. that. You can't keep giving them the ball back. Any NFL offense, no matter how much it's struggling, you give them that many possessions, you're just asking for trouble. Mark Anderson joins us from the AP. So, Mark, I'm not doing a lot of looking forward to next year's stuff, but you can do that. You're, you're a content provider. You're looking at this roster, what they might have to do in free agency, everything that they have to do going forward. What are you encouraged about? with the GM and the coach and their past, even though it didn't work out this year being a 500 team and what they can build on. What are the building blocks in your mind going forward for this franchise? I think this is, uh, uh, we, I'll speak more specifically to McDaniels. Um, 
I don't have a great sense on Ziegler just yet, but for McDaniels, one thing that impressed me the most when he got here was he showed the ability to learn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he wasn't he didn't run away from what was asked about what happened in Denver. And I do believe he's a much different coach than a much different person from then. So that tells me that that he's willing to adapt to whatever the situation was. And, and that's one thing that I noticed when he was offensive coordinator in New England. He was very adaptable to what was going on in a particular game. And I, and I guess I'm surprised I haven't seen more of that here. Um, I just don't think the, the I just don't think they've adjusted very well in the second half. I think it's been a big part of their problems, but maybe in the off season he can he can figure that out. And uh, so I, I think I think if he can do that, I think he can take take this franchise in the right direction. And Zegar, I do like one thing I will say about Zegar, it, it, and it's probably goes hand in hand with McDaniel's. Is I I think they're willing to do whatever it takes to, to move this thing forward. I don't think they have any particular loyalty to any players to keep them around just to keep them around. Mm-hmm. I think if they feel like a move can be made to help the team, I think they'll do it. Mark Anderson, as we're talking about the Raiders' loss, this is the aftermath. We do it every Monday. Mark's kind enough to join us every two weeks, one of the great content writers in all of Vegas. So one more Raiders on this. I look at the injuries to Chandler Jones and Denzel Perryman, and if they're hurt, they can't go, and it looks like they won't play the rest of the season. I think we can guess that they won't play the rest of the year. Where do you stand on other guys just shutting it down because you want to get other guys in? I'm I'm not much to the practice guy elevation and let the backups play. This is the Niners and the Chiefs. Raider fans are paying hundreds of dollars to see the best of the best here, but you got to look ahead to the future. What do you think is going to happen with these last two home games with the roster? Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think they're going to try and win these games. I don't think they're going to just play guys just to play them. Um, but at the same time, if they have the opportunity to to see what a younger player can do in a certain situation, I think they'll take that. Uh, I, you know, I, but I don't think you'll see them. For example, we're just going to start Jared Stidham at quarterback just to just to start him at quarterback. I just don't see them doing that, um, and I don't see them necessarily taking Josh Jacobs off the field just so they can give the two backups you know, more of a look. It, uh, 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 I, I mean, he's still going to be their workhorse running back, and and they'll get those guys in when they can. But I just don't see them sharing, you know, evenly splitting carries now. So I, I, I tend to be more with you. You look at the teams that got coming up; those are two two pretty big rival teams, and I I think they want to do what they can to beat those teams, and their fans want them want to beat those teams. So I, I don't think you're going to see like a wholesale audition going on. But I can see if they see a, a spot here and there that that they'll they'll, they'll try to take a look at a different guy. Uh, Mark Anderson's our guest. Mark, let's talk Rebels basketball and the job that Kevin Kruger's doing coming off the loss, the team being together. You know the schedule better than I do and the degree of competition. There's a lot of easy games in that early winning streak against teams that aren't going to be in the tournament there, but give me the big picture about where they can be in conference play and what they can do to sort of tighten up the fact that they'll be a tournament team this year. They won't need to win the conference tournament at the end of the year to get in the tournament. Yeah, I think I think this week's going to tell us a lot about about where the Rebels stand. They play at San Jose State, which it I, it doesn't doesn't matter almost what kind of Rebels team they have. That's a that's, they they just struggle up there for whatever reason. And this is a pretty decent San Jose State team. Tim Miles does a fantastic job up there. That's not going to be an easy game by any stretch. And then they come home on New Year's Eve. Uh, I think it's a one o'clock game. Play San Diego State, um, which you know they were ranked from much of the preseason. They're not any, not anymore, but still the team everyone kind of looks at 
is 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 a team to beat. Although I know New Mexico is playing really well, and and um, I think it was that Utah State's playing really well. So, um, but if they can win these two games, yeah, I think I think they're, they're you're looking at a tournament team. If, if mm. uh, but let's say they split these teams, maybe play one of them close. I still think you might be looking at a tournament team. So. I, I do. Yeah, Kevin Kruger's done a fantastic job, but I think we'll have a much better idea exactly where the Rebels stand after this week. Uh, Mark, last one, kind of a year in review. I'm going to do a year in review podcast in in general in all of sports, but for Vegas, a very important year in Vegas history. The stadium now, year one there were no fans. Year two, you needed a vaccination. Year three, we see all these games, and concerts, entertainments, and even the losses along with the wins are so dramatic. The Rebels. The Golden Knights are still a featured attraction here in town, but I'm going to look back at this year as the agreement with F1 and the F1 launch here and the preparation for F1 next year and then the Super Bowl. That'll be in 2024, but this was a big year for this town to come together, secure F1, and potentially have the biggest event in the history of Vegas this upcoming calendar year. What were some of your highs this year that Vegas should be talking about heading into the new year? Oh yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, it, it's they could know that's getting the final four uh, mm-hmm. was yep. another huge one. Uh, and then you look at just what's coming up uh, up in March. Uh, you got a, an NCAA basketball regional in town, so it, that's that's really something to look forward to. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's it's the F one thing. There was something different about that that because it, it's it's such an international event, and I think that's kind of what stood out is. You you have not only just the whole country coming here and looking at Las Vegas, uh, you have the whole world doing that, and and so it, it just it, it it makes you wonder what other national or international events they can get. I know they've gotten a lot of soccer matches, mm-hmm. uh, but in, I'm still disappointed that Las Vegas didn't bid for the World Cup. Um, but uh, you have to, maybe that maybe the, the uh, Summer Olympics that the, uh, the LA Games in 2028. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe there's a way Las Vegas can get in some of that with 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 some of the maybe getting some of the events held here. I don't I don't know if that can happen, but maybe there's a way, or at least at least some of the qualifying events leading up to the LA Games mm-hmm. they could Las Vegas can get. So I think that's kind of the next step for the city is is what more steps can it take on an inter- international stage? Yeah, I think you nailed it. It's all about internationally what could happen with the stadium here in town. Mark, thanks for everything this year. We'll continue to have you on. You bring a lot of content and aspiration to the show. Have a great rest of the year with your family, and Happy New Year. Yeah, same to you, JT. I appreciate you always having me on. You take care of yourself. You got it. Mark Anderson, we will always have him on. Uh, formerly of the Las Vegas Review-Journal, now with the AP, a great content provider there. It was a great international year here. Think about living here. I live here. I've been out here since 96. And then I moved back here full-time in 2009, and it's 2022 going into 2023. I've seen almost everything in Vegas other than the Rat Pack and the old-school stuff with Steve Wynn and the birth of his career and what happened. But from everything I've seen from the mid-'90s, all the boxing, this town would not be a legit sports town without an NFL team. I don't care what you get with the NBA. Maybe it's LeBron, and LeBron's coming to town. The hockey team is incredible. I love the hockey team. I'm a fan. And, and, and internationally, F1, we're going to get that. This town, even with the Raiders not winning this year, and they'll get back going again, without the NFL in this town, no Pro Bowl, no Super Bowl, no Rolling Stones, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, and football stadiums, all the entertainment, and most importantly, the jobs they provide.
That's why I thank the 872 laborers led by Tommy White, who we're going to have on later in the week, heading into New Year's and what they're building heading into the new year. That's going to be a fun conversation coming up here later in the week. Bobby tells me we have a couple holding. David is in Las Vegas on 920. Hello, David. Hey, JT. Thanks for taking my call. You know, I've got a little different spin on this. What I think needs to happen is Brady needs to come here. Derek mm. needs to sit behind him and learn. No, 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 no. stop, be, stop, stop, stop. Derek You're ruining your phone call. No, You're not getting no, no, Brady no, no, with no. Derek sitting. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. I cannot allow stupidity on the show. I don't do stupid segments. I don't do movie reviews for a half hour. I don't do cheeseburgers and ranking pizza parlors. I don't do that type of radio. I can't do a show saying that Derek Carr is going to be here backing up Tom Brady. That is utterly ridiculous. That is that might win the award for the worst call of the year. I'm ready to give that guy a fifty dollar Grimaldi gift card. What the Derek Carr backing up Tom Brady? How about bring Aaron Rodgers in? Don't trade Carr and have Carr back up Aaron Rodgers for a year. How about that? Come on. I mean, God, I don't need hazard pay. I'm not a cop or a construction worker. I'm not in the military, but I deserve hazard pay for that phone call. 702-365-9200. What was that? Derek Carr backing up Tom Brady. Just wow. But that's important to me. I like things like that because uh, when you ever hear when someone stands in front of their house when it gets wiped out by a tornado and they go, I've never seen anything like that before. Of course you didn't. There's never been a tornado that's wiped out your house. Of course you've never seen anything like that before. I've never heard a call like that before because it never happened. Man, if he would have said, hey, JT, I think you need to draft a quarterback and have him sit behind Carr for a year, hallelujah. That's the Einstein of phone calls compared to that. Incredible. Yeah, I'm sure Derek would agree to sit behind Tom Brady. And I got a better idea. Let's make Dana White the offensive coordinator, the head of UFC. Tom Brady, the quarterback. Derek Carr, the backup. Dana White, the offensive coordinator. God, that was incredible, man. I'm in shock. Joe in New Jersey. What's going on, Joe? Hi, how are you, JT? Good, Joe. What's going on? Hope you had a good Christmas. Go ahead. Yes, you too. Um, I just want to say I'm a big Derek Carr fan. Uh, I'm a Raider fan my whole life. I believe silver and black, but so does Derek Carr. And I, I, I just don't want to see this guy let go because he believes he's, he's, he's the heart of the Raiders organization. He wants to win here. It's unfair to him that he's been through so many different coaches. It's just not fair to, that these people want to criticize this guy. It was 19 below zero the other night. He didn't look good, and I understand that. He didn't have a great game. But you know what? There's nobody better to lead the Raiders than Derek Carr. That's a fair opinion, but don't don't give me the weather. Uh, uh, Kenny Pickett outplayed Derek Carr. Kenny Pickett outplayed Derek Carr. Baker Mayfield outplayed Derek Carr. That can't happen. That can't happen. I know, I know, I know. But I, I just, I just, I, I understand that. But you know, if you if you really think about it, right? The Patriot game, they couldn't move the ball in the in, in the second half of no. that game. They got, they got lucky to win that game. It was a gift by the Patriots. Yeah. It wasn't a great win by the Raiders. It was a gift by the Patriots. This team, it's, I, I hate to say it, JT, but mm. I, I'm not a 
huge McDaniels fan. I'm just not. Okay. He's for 5,000 yards a year under Gruden. Almost 5,000 yards with Gruden. How does he go from being that to what we're looking at? All right, fair call. You don't have to be a fan of Josh McDaniels this year with all these losses. We've never said that. I just tell you the plan and what I know about the plan and what he's trying to do, the practices, the execution, the wins and losses. No, I'm not asking you. I'm not asking you to be the leader of his fan club. Just trying to figure out why this team isn't playing right at the right time with a great play caller historically. You see, I keep telling everybody at this point, and I don't need to. I can just go to the next caller. You know, say go to another topic like Nathaniel Hackett getting fired. No matter what happens to Josh McDaniels, no matter what. He is going down in history as the most successful offensive coordinator, offensive coach of all time. Period. Because of the rings, the six of them. Six. If he had one or two, there'd be no debate. There'd be a hundred people that you could say are above him. A hundred. Because he has six with Brady, he is elevated to some level at the ultimate height. Then you can start ranking him. Okay, the amount of more success... The, that Josh McDaniels has had than Kyle Shanahan, okay, and all these other ones, you can't even put him in the same category. Well, when it comes to head coach, it's off to a bumpy start. And he's changed since the Denver years. He's trying to win here. He's trying to do it all, and these losses make it louder. And he handles it. Every time I see him every week, he comes into the studio. He's coming off meeting the media downstairs. We do our 10 minutes, and we talk off and on the air, and he's trying to fix it. That's all I can tell you. Does, does, he, does he want me to say to you behind the scenes, this, that? No, he just wants to go to work and try to fix it, and it's been a really tough road this year. I'm shocked by the way this team is losing. I think they're better than that. I think they're better coached and they have better players, but for whatever reason, it's not clicking. And the only way it's going to fix is with changing the personnel or having the personnel in the system for another year and it clicking. Anybody else have any other ideas that aren't personal? Hit me up. This is what I do. Hit me up. I'm here for you. Hit me up. Everybody's frustrated. That was a bad game. Embarrassing game. It's the first one that we've had like that. And so I know everybody's frustrated. We address it. We've talked about all those things. Talked with Randy. Talked with all those guys. And we can't show our frustration. we got to take our frustrations out on the field the right way. It's Nathaniel Hackett who got fired today after four wins. That's it. The reason he got fired is the body language on the sideline and the breakdown between the offensive line and the backup quarterback yesterday and also the fact that the team was lethargic after the loss in the locker room. There wasn't enough anger. So it didn't work out. And again, for Nathaniel Hackett, I always have fun with this. The Raiders have fired these coaches. I know this. You think I'm exaggerating. I'm not. When the Raiders play the Broncos, the Broncos hate the Raiders. The Broncos dislike the Seahawks, dislike the Chargers, don't like Kansas City. They hate the Raiders. The Raiders got Vic Fangio fired. Vic Fangio couldn't beat the Raiders. That Raiders owned him. And Nathaniel Hackett got swept by the Raiders. Was it the sole reason? No. He, he, he did a terrible job. But the Raiders added to that. If he beat the Raiders twice, he wouldn't have been fired. Now he'd be fired maybe at the end of the year. So Nathaniel Hackett has been fired. Now that's probably the biggest swing and miss of this entire offseason when it comes to predictions and those sports analysts and those talk show hosts that hate the Raiders. And when everybody said that Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett were going to the Super Bowl, 
and then we're going to build the Super Bowl quality roster. That might be when we have these year-end reviews, year-end awards, the biggest blunder of them all. Russell Wilson to Denver. Denver's going to win the AFC. Remember all that garbage? It was a lot, and I was out front telling you about it. I was also out front telling you about the Chargers. The Chargers are going to make the playoffs this year, and the Chargers are dangerous because they're getting healthy at the right time. So the Chargers play tonight. I know the mathematics with the Raiders. Raiders are out of it. The Raiders put themselves with the loss in to Baker Mayfield and Pittsburgh to be out of it. You know, they have a 1% chance they're out of it. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Chargers could have lost as many games as the Raiders, but they didn't lose in dramatic fashion the way the Raiders did. So we're going to see Kansas City and the Chargers in the playoffs. And, you know, I don't know who the other teams are all going to be, but Cincinnati, which was worse off than the Raiders a few years ago, much worse off, went to the Super Bowl last year, and they're going back to the playoffs. Maybe instead of setting the goals to beat Kansas City, the goal should be to be as good as Cincinnati and get there because Cincinnati's going to be a playoff team for a while. All right, as we wrap this up, Thor, our good friend in the black hole with his podcast and what he does on YouTube. How are you, Thor? Man, I'm, I'm hanging in. I'm hanging in. I'm, I'm finally starting to get over that Christmas Eve disaster. Um, JT, bro, honestly, I, I'm, I'm at a loss. I, I don't know what to do. I, you know, I, to me, Derek Carr is just not that guy, and, and I, I fear that I hope Josh McDaniels is another North Turner, just not that dude, just the leader of men. But I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know them like that. Um, I I don't, I'm really at a loss right now. I don't know where to go. It's it's so hard to want to start over with a new quarterback. Obviously, you don't want to get a new coaching, Mm -hmm. like a whole new regime in again, just the whole start over. I don't feel that we're that far away. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, uh, I'm just at a lot. I, I, you know what? This team just makes me drink. I, I, I just need to drink <laughs> on it and think on it, smoke a stove and relax and try to figure it out right now. Um, I got I'm, you. I'm to get over that Christmas depression. And, hey, hopefully we can shock the world and beat the Niners for us Bay guys that yeah. that, that really need that for us. Man. Yeah, see so you at the game. You're too, Thor. You're too, Thor. Good guy, good friend. Appreciate you. And, I hope everyone's going to the game to beat the Niners. There's going to be a lot of Niner fans there, a lot. I've never said that about any team. I don't know how many are going, but I know the Niner fans want to get into this building and see a really good football team. Better guard George Kittle. Did you see George Kittle the other day and what he did? Wow. Did you see George Kittle? Someone better guard him, and Perryman's not going to be there to do it. That's going to be one hell of an assignment. George Kittle is licking his chops to play in this game, and they got a lot to play for. We all know what's coming in with the Niners. They're a very good football team. But I thought the Raiders would win, and they'd win six out of seven, five out of six, six out of seven, and then they'd have a chance with Brock Purdy. There was no doubt going into the Pittsburgh game that the Raiders ended up losing. I told this Derek Allen on the air. It was not a question in my mind that Derek Carr could beat Brock Purdy in a shootout. Now, it could get ugly because Derek would have to be throwing all game, Josh running it, but Derek throwing it going up against Bosa in that pass rush. Derek, you think Derek's taking some hits? <laughs> Wait till you see this Niner game. If he ends up playing, he might not play. Who knows? But I thought that Derek going up against Purdy with such a big advantage, because Purdy's going to put up a stinker sooner or later. Purdy's not going to just play like Joe Montana. So I like this matchup a lot. And I like the matchup against Baker Mayfield. I love the matchup. When everybody was coming on, Baker's not going to play, JT. How dare you? Are you an idiot, JT? Baker's not going to play. He's only had the playbook for 41 hours. Yeah, he played. 
In the fourth quarter, they call it the Baker Mayfield game in L.A. And then we have the Kenny Pickett game on Franco night. And now Brock Purdy is going to come into town. It'd be a shame if Brock Purdy throws three touchdowns for 300 yards. But who are the Raiders going to have on defense to replace Chandler Jones and Denzel Perryman, next man up? Maybe they play more defensive backs, take a linebacker off the field. I don't know what they're going to do. I'll ask Coach this week. How do you match up with this team? But the next two weeks, we have George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. And Kelsey's going to retire his number at some bar in Vegas after his career because he's killed the Raiders. So you got two of the best tight ends in football coming up against a team that struggles against the tight end. I'm going to focus on that the rest of the week. Short show tomorrow for an hour. I'm on Mad Dog also. I'm doing double dips every day this week. So if you don't catch me here, you'll catch me on Sirius XM 82. We have the Raiders Roundtable tomorrow with Q Myers and Lincoln Kennedy. My coach's interview on Thursday, New Year's Eve, and then we're ready for the 49ers to come to town. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. Paul Gutierrez and Mark Anderson. Have a great day. Q's on deck. I'll see you back here tomorrow, everybody. Thanks for listening to the flagship. Happy New Year. Hope you had a great Christmas.